0: Caution! All
1: systems ready! Hello and welcome back to another episode of Less Than 10. This is episode 49. Almost half of 100. And today we've got a really good show again. I'm super hyped. Great guests, great topics. We're going to talk about... Kind of like the AT meta. And uh, our, our guests tonight are CCP Swift and Ithaca Hawk. So two people with tons of AT knowledge, much more than us. And we're also gonna kind of cover um, some of the like the CCP roadmap, kind of the some of the stuff that was recently announced, recently covered. So yeah, it should be exciting. Uh, tonight I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ten and Andy Astronaut. Say hi guys.
0: Hey, how's it going? Hey, hey.
1: And, yes, uh, CSB Swift and Ithaca, why don't you guys just say hello so everyone can hear your voice?
2: Yeah, hey, how's it going, everyone?
1: Hey, guys. All right, we'll get into kind of what we've been up to as we do every show. But first, I'm just going to cover our our sponsor. And yet again, this episode is brought to you by O7 Coffee Company. O7 is a coffee roastery based out of the United States with the goal of providing you with a premium cup of coffee no matter where you are. Whether you're out camping with the family, stuck at the office, or kicking over your fifth Athenor at three in the morning, O7 has delicious options for you. For premium coffee at retail rates, go to o7coffeecompany.com and use the code NANO, N-A-N-O, at checkout for 10% off. All righty, what have we been up to lately? Uh, I'll go first. Um, I just played Eve like I was playing before we started recording. Uh, I've been playing a little bit lately. Still, still in summer mode, so doing a lot of stuff outside, uh, lots of bike riding and stuff like that. But I, I had a pretty good fight just now, roaming around out of Thera. I was flying a 10MN Loki, like a 10MN HML Loki, with an Abyssal 10MN and and uh, snakes and like overclocker and quaff. so I can do like eight over 1800 heated. It's like 1850 or 1870, somewhere around there. Dual web dual invuln, uh, large shield booster, triple VCU. Uh, it was pretty fun. Um, we fought VVV and ended up like we killed a Simi and a bunch of trash, flycatcher, some tackle. And they they just like brought the hammer. They had like multiple, like an Arazu, Lachesis. There was a Loki that I webbed off myself. Um, we had like a Lashak out at range that mjd that we were kind of just chasing and screening for. Um, Vargas and Vargas. <laughs> yeah, Vargas there's a rev. I think there's a rev. They sign out in a Yeah, a they sign out in a, a dread. <laughs> so I was kinda ho- happy that I was in a 10 MN ship actually because I would have been soaking way more damage, which is like kinda why I wanted to fly this 10 MN Loki is keep a small sig and still go like pretty fast. Um so yeah, it was it was super fun. Didn't nobody died. We managed to get off grid. Um and really communicated well like ten was scramming things off people uh he was in a malediction and uh yeah it was it was good good fight you know the kind of stuff trickled in and you can one of those fights where you can exist for a little bit and then then all of a sudden you need to leave right now <laughs> so that was fun how about uh how about you ten
0: well obviously that um i'm also a bit summered up and also work is starting to pick back up for me uh, my industry is a serious pandemic casualty, but it's starting to recover now. Um, so I've been doing a bunch of that. And in EVE, uh, since I haven't had a lot of time, I've been puttering around during the day a little bit, um, doing a little market trading, occasionally like eating a stab or something and just poking around. But I haven't haven't gotten in any super memorable fights, aside from the one that we were just in, which was pretty good.
1: Andy, how about you? you've been busy, too, right?
0: Yeah, I've been kind of busy.
3: Um, but I've actually had a little bit more time to play Eve. I haven't been super active on TQ, but we did roam actually, I think two nights ago, maybe three nights ago, um, just kind of roamed around and ended up finding a super blingy Ikitursa. We got terrible, terrible drop rate. Um, so all it was like almost all abyssals and like one of them dropped, and it wasn't a good one. <laughs> but uh, it was still like a decent fight. Um. And it was still just like nice to undock and roam around out of Thera. Um, And then I've been doing actually a lot on T or I guess on CC. Um, I've been running kind of our noir academy classes. So teaching the newbies how to, you know, double click in space and uh, not just ram into people. Um, So that's actually been pretty fun. We have like way more people than we've ever had before. So it's a little bit of like cat herding, but it's also really fun. And like, they're very enthusiastic. Um, And then speaking of AT, we had our first practice today. So the network has a team, um, and we just had our first practice this morning. So that was a good chunk of time, but it was fun. I mean, we kind of got our butts kicked, but it was still good.
0: Well, that's how it starts. I forgot. I also definitely have lost several sets of hours this last week uh, building out spreadsheet functions for AT stuff. Right.
3: Yeah, I definitely underestimated how much work just like coming up with comps is, um, let alone like actually flying them. But just, you know, doing the whole like what counters what, what do you expect from the other side and all that kind of stuff is a lot of work.
1: And uh, CCP Swift, other than putting out fires and stuff like that and good posting, what have you been up to?
2: Uh, I've actually been uh, having a lot of fun in EVE doing random like uh, small stuff. Uh, this week, I've been trying to hunt for the uh, SEC sites to get the Reserve Bank keys because I want to rob some blues. Um, would, uh, don't tell them that though. But I, I definitely do want to try and rob some blues.
0: Uh, I'm sure they don't listen been, to the podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I've just been like hopping into a Vexer and just uh, filamenting out from Cheetah and just trying to fight anything I can into into the actual like um, ESSs themselves. Because I wanted to see like what the, the new visuals looked like. So I was like, oh, I'll just go rob some stuff. And it's amazing how much you can make just <laughs> stealing stuff from the SS. And oftentimes, like no one contests you. And then sometimes you get like a, a Gnosis or a really horribly fit HeLa, and you can just barely win. I've got like a, a double damp AB uh, Vexer, which is super trashy, but it's good enough to, to TD the drones. And I can uh, break a HeLa down, so it feels good. Nice.
1: That's actually pretty good too, because if you get far enough off the beacon before, like, like a Huguen or something like that comes in, you could maybe damp it, damp it off you, maybe, and get out.
2: Yeah, I generally don't get out very often because uh, I'm like, oh well, I, I, th- I go through like different stages in Eve where I'm like, oh, the other guy's gonna play perfectly, so I have to like uh, act accordingly. And I'm right now in the stage where like. I just assume everyone's going to make an idiotic mistake. So I just want to stay on grid longer to make them make that mistake and capitalize on it and have like Fair. a really great kill mail. Uh sadly, Eve players have gotten really good uh, in the last couple of years. So they don't really make mistakes that often. So I just keep dying. True.
1: And Ithaca, how about you, dude? Um, I have
4: also had the summer bug. Um, being allowed outside again um, it was quite a novelty And when that happened my TQ activity basically plummeted uh, although I'm logging in again uh, the last couple of days um, I mean I've been busy with external stuff so uh, the Alliance Tournament myself, Bay and a couple of the other Evente guys were working on stuff before it was public um, and as well uh, obviously with uh, Volta putting a team in uh, Alliance Tournament practices have already started up again so I've been doing a few of those and um the other exciting thing i get to do is i get to be part of the committee that reviews people who are applying to be casters for alliance tournament 17. so uh, i spend a bunch of time going through applications and like watching the videos that people submit and making notes and so on uh, so we can get the best people on the desk nice
1: yeah i mean that job is so important too like it really it really makes it and not really, like especially for people who uh you know maybe can't interpret what's going on themselves as well as others like the casters are so important for that just to bring the mood and 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 you know make people able to follow everything so it's a that's a tall order to, to yeah, pick you'd, them. You'd there's there's a lot of good people, ones though i feel
4: you need to find those people um who know a lot about eve and also are very good at talking about eve because those two don't necessarily uh Cross. sometimes you get people who are very very knowledgeable about eve but they just cannot talk about it and vice versa
1: yeah especially thing... vice versa right
3: <laughs> yeah the hard thing to me too is just like trying to um, do it real time right like it's easy to look back at footage and like break it down and say like oh this happened here that happened there but when they're like actually doing it in real time it's very hard and I think that's where I'd do a terrible job
4: yeah, the trick is just to be wrong with confidence and then no one notices. <laughs> right. I don't know. Have
0: you guys got a lot of applications in for that so far or
1: uh, I can't say. Ah, okay. I remember um when Chesser started referring to like tier teams as as like top tier or or not a top tier team? That was just a funny commenter moment from from back when.
4: Yeah, that still I gets did. memed to this day.
1: Yeah. There's so many good memes, man, from commentators over the years, right? That's probably the biggest one, I think. I would, I would think. I don't know. Can you think of another one that's like that big?
0: Not that's actually Eve related. There's some clothing related ones that are pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think The uh, uh, Jintan. Uh,
2: BBP, when he uh, said NS- the, he was like casting a match for uh, NC.NPL, and there's like a flag Balgorn. Uh, And he was like, oh, these guys are both sucking each other off like they do on DQ. It was like, (laughs) it was so good and so in the moment and so hilarious.
1: Yes. Uh, So good. Forgot about that one. All right. Well, let's get into our first topic. We'll get into AT stories a little later, more more so. Uh, And that's going to be like the CCP roadmap that was released. So uh, last episode, we covered the announcement and the 24-hour teaser. And uh, what a lot of people kind of were frustrated with with, you know, the AT announcement wasn't really pleasing to them. Um, this stuff kind of got what they were after kind of got mentioned shortly after in a dev blog. Um, not really specifics, but uh, we'll quickly cover like the economy stuff that that was mentioned, and that is scarcity. Scarcity is is coming to an end. Um, so not to say we're going to get back into like work online, but uh, stuff is going to be added, uh, resources adjusted, mining ship balance passes, and, and some more industry adjustments. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Do you Do you have an opinion on scarcity as a small ganger?
4: So I think scarcity was a good idea in theory, but in practice it just turned out not to be quite as good. Like I understand why, and when it came out, I was quite for it. But I think it's just not worked in practice in the right way. It's not caused the right metrics to move, uh, if that makes sense. It's really hard to explain. I don't know how else they would kind of get around it because you want people to put big assets in space to you know, encourage people to go hunt them and kill them. But at the same time, you want to make those big assets less just replaceable and throwaway, like dreadnoughts were costing as much to throw away as a a battleship basically which was kind of ridiculous so people were just farming them and throwing them away so i get what they were trying to do with making things cost more and but i don't know i'm glad it's i'm glad it's over because we're going to see more heavy assets being back in space i I hope
0: yeah i think it was necessary um i am not a game designer and i can't say if there was a, a better way to go about it I think, as is often the case, um, the the biggest pain point was the communication around it. Um, there was a just until this latest announcement came out, there were months and months where people are like, "Is scarcity ending? Is like, is it working? We don't know." Just because there was just no no track through of information getting out to anyone outside of CCP
4: yeah i think that's not not a bad thing i think it's important to like if you tell people oh this is going to end in two months then people will just be okay cool well i'll just stop playing for two months
0: yes but i i just mean that's the that's the source of a lot of the the grief that people are feeling i think is feeling like they're out of control because they don't know what's going on
2: yeah that's a that's definitely like a, a really big uh, like part of it is just not knowing where you are uh i think Someone in the CSM mentioned it. They're like, Yeah, we're in the middle of a tunnel, but we don't know like where, where the end of the tunnel is. We just know that we're in a tunnel somewhere. So it, it kind of is scary. Uh, and then if you're like in this area where you have no information and you just get uh, bombarded with a lot of negativity from other areas and like other like things that come down, you're eventually gonna be a little bit more negative as well. Like you're gonna be like, Oh man, this does suck. Like this game, is, this game blows. <laughs> so it is hard without like a frame of reference to, uh, to understand where you are. But the problem with the, the whole scarcity thing is like m- when they started it or wouldn't rather we started it, uh, I was a player. I wasn't, uh, working at CCP then. Uh, they had an idea of what levels they wanted to see in the universe, but they had no idea when exactly that time it would be. Right. So they can't be like, Oh, it's going to last, uh, Thirteen months exactly. It's gonna last until the uh, like resource team is like, okay, yeah, these levels are finally back to normal and
0: not crazy. That's an interesting problem.
3: Yeah, I think the the tunnel analogy used is really nice. Like, it does a good job of kind of summing up how people feel, where it's like you don't know exactly how far the end is. You know, you're just somewhere in between. Um, The other thing I'd add, though, is like, I'm kind of curious how much of kind of the attitude and the negative sentiment or what people are kind of blaming on scarcity is coming from the fact that we also have had like a war going on for over a year now. And I think there's like a lot of burnout and kind of stagnation that happens when you have a super big war and those people aren't back home to fight people like us that go in room space. And so I, I, I'm i always curious, like, how much of it's really scarcity versus how much of it is people burning out for other reasons, like being in a big block war for a year and a half.
2: Yeah, I think that also plays into it, too, because you're talking about, like, a lot of people in NullSec uh, before the war started, a lot of them were, were people that, like, used the space. They ratted, they mined, they did cool stuff together. And then you transplant all of them and shove them between two systems (laughs) with one gate separating them for months on end and like you can't go and rat and you're like oh man i can't earn any money this scares me thing blows (laughs) where like even if you could like have all the resources and like all the asteroid belts and everything back to what it was you still wouldn't be doing it anyways
0: uh, yeah, that's an interesting point because I've heard a number of people suggest that scarcity has lowered their ISK income, but I don't think it actually has, right?
2: I mean, I'm it absolutely has, right? Like a, for for some people at least, right? I I have this really weird experience as a player because I was a, a player for like eighty five percent of the time there, but I made a ton of money just doing stuff that I had never done before. I was just like trying new things um and i got like giga lucky a lot of times too like i would do like random adventures and they'd pay off uh so i had like this really warped view of scarcity i was like i can't be that bad i've been like 800 bill which is more money than i've ever had in eve online like doing anything
0: (laughs) i've definitely made a bunch of money with the industry changes and things too but what i mean is like the actual ratting direct isk income isn't different it's the you know I I mined and my ore is now more valuable, or I got a BPC that's now more valuable because of the industry changes or something. That that income has gone up, but the actual like anomaly ratting direct ISK income or like wormhole blue loot income is the same. No, uh,
3: wormhole loot is the same. I guess the ratting income depends on if you're moving systems or not, and also depends on whether or not you're getting robbed. So. I mean, in theory, if no one robs you, I think you're making the same amount of money assuming that you're moving systems periodically so that your like your bounty modifier doesn't drop too low. But if you're getting robbed, you're losing a solid portion of your, your income. And if you're sticking to one system because you don't want to move for whatever reason, then you can be making like 80% of what you would be before.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. I thought they bumped up the... Ratting ISK when they made the ESSs mandatory to to sort of compensate for that, so that if you rat it at 100% and then got your ESS, you're then getting more money than before. But I could be wrong. Uh,
3: that is true for the baseline. I think it's like 120% now instead of um, 100% for where the dynamic
0: oh, percentage gotcha, modifier it, is. like settles.
3: Right, exactly. So if you just, like, don't rat in a system, I think it levels out at, like, 120% instead of
1: 100%. Speaking of robbing, the ES- ESS keys, the reserve keys, were also announced and are, have subsequently been added to the game. Uh, has anyone taken part? I have not. I haven't done a site. I've just been reading lots about people's experiences. Have any of you guys, like, robbed a, a reserve bank yet?
2: I have a key. Uh, I've been, like, trying to dual box the sites. Because I'm I'm an idiot, right? I know there's like <laughs> you're supposed to do it with like two or three people and it's designed to do it with two or three people, but I was like, yeah, but I, I bet I can do this alone. And I've just been like really smug and trying to do it. Uh, so I found the site in like it was two jumps away from a Thera jump, so I'm like, okay, so I shoved like two battleships in through Thera with no one saw me and I like try and do the the hack on this SCC uh, site. And it takes me like eight attempts in a row because I keeps like there. So there's a, when you go into the site, there's a, two cans that are like 150 K from each other or a hundred K from each other. And you have to hack both cans within 15 seconds of one another uh, to get into the final gate. And so I was like, Oh, I bet I can do it like real fast, but I can't, I, I'm just so bad. And it took me uh, like nine tries. And once it locks it like, Freezes for two minutes before it like unlocks. That number was much higher before, <laughs> so uh, the sites seemed uh, like Giga broke in the first day.
1: So now it's two minutes because I know like a lot of people were complaining that it was completely bugged, but in reality, it just locked you out of the site if you failed the hack, and then it took a long time for the site to like reopen up again.
0: Yeah, it took a long time for it to reset, and you'd have to go back through and do the keys or do the hack again. Um, I actually tried to do a couple of them the day they came out, and I only found one site, I think probably because a lot of people were trying to run them. and it was jammed already because someone had failed it, and I was like, all right, i'll come I'll come back to this. But it's good to hear that it sounds like um the all those troubles have been sort of sorted out and they're working more or less as intended now.
2: Yeah, there were so uh, like on the first day, the sites were being locked for much longer than the two minutes. Uh, and then the next day, the the team that made them was like, "Yeah, let's just make this two minutes." <laughs> and then the next day, they fixed the, another bug that they had found. And then I think there was another like very weird uh, glitch that they fixed on on like a Wednesday or Thursday. I don't know. It must have been Thursday. So the sites should be working like super as intended. I haven't had a problem with it. Um, I haven't really watched anyone have a problem with it.
3: Curiosity, um, how hard was it for you to find sites, both uh, Swift and 10? Because I've heard some people are going like 30 plus jumps and not finding any. I mean, I think they're intended to be rare, so that's probably intended. But I was curious like how hard
0: it
2: was for you guys to find them. It took me like an hour and a half of probing in Iridia to, to find a site.
0: It took me a while, too. They're definitely fairly rare. Um, which kind of key did you get? Because there's two different kinds of keys, right? The 15-minute one and the 45-minute one.
2: I got the. I think there's a five-minute and a 15-minute, or is it? No, you're right. There's a 15 and a 45, maybe.
0: Yeah, there's um, like there's one that ramps up to maximum in five minutes and lasts 15 minutes, and one that ramps up to maximum in 15 minutes and lasts 45 minutes, which is why there's there's not a good naming convention because they both have 15s.
2: I got the I got the shorter one that I can't sell for three billion. So, That's whatever shame. one that one is, it's okay. I'm still gonna rob blues. It's gonna be fine. They they won't notice. I mean, they absolutely will notice because as soon as you link to a reserve bank, it sends out a like a notification for everyone in the region. <laughs> so, uh, it's not something you can just kind of like go in solo and hope that no one notices.
1: I'm kind of anxious to see how Null blocks. Like, like, deal with it? Is that going to be acceptable? Like, because it's just sitting in there. Some of them are so much, right? Like, when you can only take, like, the maximum you can get is, like, 1.2 out of the small and 3.5 below to the large, right? Is that correct? If, Uh, if, like, you're sitting at the whole time?
2: That's somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, are they going to give a shit? Like, I don't don't know. We'll see. I, I, like, there was some talking in the the Less Nintendo Discord. And I kind of agree with with it that like it's a super cool idea if if the reserve bank amount had had some incentive to it for groups to like stay large like if it uh, if it had you know I don't know I'm not a sob dude something that affected their sob affected the DBM affected affected something right ADMs yeah, like maybe the,
0: maybe the the bounty modifier goes up for every billion goes up one percent for every billion in the reserve bank or something. Something that makes the space itself more valuable somehow.
1: Just so that people don't want to rob I think it's cheesy if they want to rob it themselves, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Um I do want to get some and try it out.
2: I was gonna say like for I know there's a lot of like doom and gloom that dudes are gonna just rob their own banks, but there's an op- like those these keys are not like the easiest things to get. So there's an opportunity cost to use them, right? So it's like It brings me back to, like, the I mind for it mentality. We're like, yeah, okay, you mind for it. That's cool. It doesn't mean that your ship is free, dude. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm curious as well to see if people are going to just, like, rob their own banks or if there's going to be, like, small gangs that go out there. or if anyone's even going to give a shit. Like, it could just be, like, oh, let them do it, and then we'll kill them all and take their shit afterwards.
0: Well, and if there's going to be like a secondary market for the keys themselves, like there's going to be a group of people going around low sec farming out the keys and then selling them on to people who want to either go steal or, you know, sort of collect their own reserve banks.
1: Yeah. And I guess it's nice cuz it is a small amount, so it gets like, you know, how many people are you going to be able to like, you know, storm around grabbing these things, you know what I mean, like in a fleet. So as a as a small gang are roaming around too. If you see someone stealing their own, I'm just gonna like hightail it for that system, and go see what's in it because you know I don't think it's gonna be like an unfightable blob. Maybe it's like five or six dudes that are just hanging. You know what I mean? Could be good yeah, content. Or
2: it could just be like one jerk who's gonna
0: try and steal it for her. <laughs> yeah, who's gonna steal it from his blues. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And then the, the next thing that was announced on this well. Detailed in this kind of roadmap dev blog was uh, some balance adjustments, nothing specific. The keynotes were incentives to use caps, structures, and SOV, and poxman adjustments. So incentives to be use caps is obviously super important. Um, like you, you look at like a group like Volta out of Thera and how scary that was. Like when it was you know 2019, kind of 2018. Like that time. They were big and just like so many targets, getting so many capital frags. And you know, I'm not going to speak for people in Volta, um, but like the reason they left Thera is likely due to those targets drying up because they couldn't exactly that. Yeah,
4: that's exactly why we left Thera. It was um before it was absurd how many um uh, cap frags we were getting. Like you people would just log in, roll a Thera wormhole, shotgun out sabers. And then tackle stuff and sometimes um, we would do things like back probe from places like Delve when there was so many caps on field everywhere that um, You would have to try and trigger the good response somewhere and um, but have second sets of caps tackled. So as soon as they jumped in caps on the first set You would just disengage move to the second set and then they would have to jump in another response and then you would have like, we would have sometimes like four or five or six groups of oracles tackled at the same time. And we would trigger the response in the first couple of the groups. And by the time we were on like the third or fourth group, they were having to either gate caps around after us or jump in smaller groups, which we could sort of defang and try and kill. You know, we got supers this way, we got oracles. We would jump into uh, test areas and just frag oracles all day. It was absurd how often we were killing stuff. And then when it dried up, um, because when you become kind of dependent on being able to just consistently catch caps there wasn't so much like objective fleets it was just like logging in doing that kind of fragging so then when that dried up people just weren't really logging in so we had to look for some new content and that's how we ended up doing what we're doing now, which is up in, uh, up in the north but yeah that is the main reason why Volta left there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, maybe we're not gonna get back to like that level. Maybe I don't know. Maybe the healthiest is somewhere in the middle, or or three quarters of the way to what it was in its heyday. But like, I just think it's super important to include kind of that play style of people that go hunt caps, and also I don't know, caps are cool, right? People want to use caps. They want to build up towards them. It, it's supposed to be something that feels good. You know, it's right in the name. It's a capital ship, right? So,
2: yeah, for some people it's like super aspirational. Like obviously not for everyone. Like um I for the longest time my main at least couldn't fly capitals at all cuz I just did not give a shit um about flying those. My I had like an alt that had like a bridging titan, but that's one that I barely subbed anyways and I never really used. And I never really liked using. Um but for a lot of people like caps or not a lot, but for some people capitals are like the, the aspirational goal and it's it's still we want it to be something to aspire to for those people still and give them a purpose. So instead of just having like sites where you can cheese and like a bunch of Punishers or like uh, a bunch of myrmidons or something that hey you can use a capital if you want it uh, in this site which is like one of the things that was announced in the July the blog thing uh, which I think is going to be really cool and popular because it's gonna give people, A use for those ships um, and also hunters are like something to catch (laughs) so instead of just catching a bunch of vexers or something or just coming into a system and seeing vexers safe up uh, there's going to be like the chance to try and grab something bigger and force those uh, fights and engagements I
1: think that's key
3: yeah I think it's fair to say that it's also fun to catch caps like Ithaca said like that can be a big content driver and Obviously, it hasn't happened very much for us kind of because we don't see them as often. But anytime like we have a carrier tackled or something like that, like you ping and like people show up.
2: Some of my favorite like Eve memories are uh, back in the day where you had pauses for the jump bridges uh, and people would park their supers in those jump bridge pauses. But everyone knew the password. So you'd like go hunting around, hunting around and you'd be like, oh, I found one i found the nicks just sitting in this password uh, in this posse like sound the alarms max would come in bump him out and you drop your tempest on it and we were killing one like every other day it was insane uh, and then they'd like uh, this the old northern coalition would like drop on us with all their titan fleet and we'd have to like book it or just weld a bunch of tempests
4: the thing is catching a, a cap or a super cap is like content providing even if you know you can't kill it like sometimes we'd be roaming around in a small gang and you would tackle like a super carrier and you didn't have enough dps really to kill that super carrier by itself um but they would send in people to try and save it and if you were in certain areas of space they would sort of trickle in like small groups of people and you could just keep that that super tackled and then just like small gang pvp uh, whoever was coming in you could just get frag after frag after frag while they were trying to like you know build up enough people to actually come and push you off and save the super and even if your goal wasn't really to kill the super you got so much fun content just around it because it was tackled and in caps as well like if you tackled like a carrier as you say you ping you know carrier tackled that at a time was worth like what like one.2 bill something like that that's like less than a, a varger for example so you if you ping you know, marauder tackled people. Are like, cool. It's a battleship, and it's a nice battleship, but you know, it's not the same as tackling a, a capital class vessel and coming in and killing it. Just something about it.
1: Yeah, we'll see where it ends up. I mean, it's such a delicate balance as we've seen four years ago. <laughs> what happened five? I don't know. Five years ago, whenever it started, I can't even remember when it was. But uh, it, that's the scary thing to me. Like incentive to use caps structures and solve. Like, when have we heard this before? 2015
0: yeah but the the comments like they specifically called out in this that they've they've heard some of the feedback and they noticed um there was that little uh, post on reddit from most of the major fcs of most of the yeah. major blocks and you know like there's some some acknowledgement of the things that people are saying so i think it's not just gonna be here's our brand new idea i hope you like it good luck it's there it sounds like there's been some some feedback heard and all that
4: I would really like if they could um, balance or fix caps in wormhole space because some of the best content I ever had in EVE was when I lived in a high-class wormhole space back when like sighting crews were were a thing you know you would get together with a bunch of people in your corp and you would have multiple caps on field and they were committed they'd be dreads and siege so if we weren't you know, sighting, we would be rage rolling, looking for other people sighting and wormhole space was full of them. So you would come in, you would tackle them and immediately suddenly you've got huge amounts of content. But then when um, the changes to wormhole sites happened, people then started doing all the sites in like rattlesnakes with MJDs. So you would roll in and then even if you got a saber on top of them, they would just MJD out and warp off. And it just wasn't as much fun to catch like, you know, four or five rattlesnakes as it was to catch a couple of dreads and a triage carrier like back in the olden days before faxes. It was just so much fun.
3: Yeah, and I've heard essentially it's the same kind of state now. They've just replaced the Rattlesnakes with Leshac's, but really it's the same thing. You just see Leshac nester Balls that MJD off, and you catch maybe one or two, and then the rest get away.
4: Yeah, I mean, I remember when faxes came out, they were just completely broken in, in W space. You couldn't realistically get enough DPS through a wormhole to kill uh, a self-tanking fax so that was it like all the amazing wormhole brawls with like two carriers fitting off each other or one like mega cap um like carrier fitting off itself trying to like you know bring pack cap back up and then rep everyone and then keep itself alive all that just died and then i can't remember who did it but someone made this graph of like uh capital kills in w space and it was like a cliff it just went off a cliff and it never never recovered and so many big groups just eventually left w space or stopped playing because the, the the game style just didn't support it anymore and there wasn't enough people still running things to bother rage rolling so then everyone moved into like c2 null sex and then that content with um like uh people not being in space as much kind of died and yeah wormhole space needs a bit of a, a love i think
1: yeah it's interesting though like as a small ganger wormhole space for sure and null sec, like my gameplay is best when there's lots of people in space. And like all the other stuff doesn't really matter to me. I just want more people in space. So like whatever those people want, whatever they need to get more people in space is what I want to happen. Like over everything, like over balance issues. Just like cuz I'd rather have hard fights and just like smash my face into a wall over and over again than the roam empty space repeatedly.
4: I'd rather the cows be out there getting fat in this like big jungle full of uh you know easy easy food for them than just trying to roam around the desert with no one there
2: yeah the thing about like the the small gang pvp community is like they're really good at coming up with ways to to cope and ways to like catch the bigger dudes uh that i think you're right like just making sure there's more people in space is priority number one because they'll once they're in space, the small gang dudes will figure out how to catch them somehow, even if it seems impossible, even if they have these, like, huge umbrellas, uh, like, super umbrellas, saving them. The small gangs will still find a way to to kill them.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. And that was one thing that was kind of mentioned at the beginning of Scarcity is, like, oh, if you catch something, it kind of makes it more rewarding because, like, it's not just, you know, if you catch a carrier, it's not just, like, a throwaway that they can replace the next day. But honestly, like most of my fights, I could care less if, you know, the ship is worth a bill or worth like five mil. It doesn't really matter. It's like more about having fun fights. And like Farrell said, I could care less about the balance. Like if I can get a good fight, even if we just kill one or two things before, like there's too many people to deal with it. Like that's more fun to me than like catching somebody and they're ratting a char for 300 million.
2: I mean, some of my most fun fights in Eve and, and people are going to laugh because I've been in like really big fights. Uh, but some of my most fun have been like flying a bunch of Tau wars around because towers like everyone will want to shoot a tower war. They're like super uh, like engageable and they're just they're just a blast because they can volley through stuff uh, and they're they're meant to <laughs> they're meant to die. So you always get content. I think that's why um before the this big war, you saw groups like even groups like PL were flying caracals and shit just because people would fight them.
0: Yeah. Um, There's one other thing that I wanted to mention from that, which is they, they mentioned the Eve Academy again. And I occasionally go look through that and see what new contents in there. When I started playing Eve, I was astounded even, you know, however many years ago that was, it was like this game company has no, like no wiki, no guide info. That's like a third party website that someone has built. Like, for their game. Is that really true? And that's kind of what the Academy is, is like an introductory thing, information about a bunch of stuff. Um, And most of it's really well done.
2: Yeah, it's a really good springboard uh, for, like, obviously it's not all-inclusive. It doesn't cover everything you can do in the game. But it's a good starting off point. Because like, when you throw a new player into EVE, you're like, yeah, you can do anything. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. What well, kind of anything? But what? Yeah. And they just get stuck in in what I like to, to refer to as just like uh, decision paralysis because it's like, well, do I want to do this? Do I want to be a miner? Oh, this guy on YouTube says mining sucks. So I don't want to be a miner. Maybe I'll run abyssals. Oh, this guy on YouTube says Abyssals suck. <laughs> like I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to spec my character for like two months to do something that I'll hate. So fuck. Uh, and then they'll just like not log in again. Again, that's a huge problem.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, you know, if you just go to eveonline.com and you're like, maybe I want to play this game, what's it about? Having just some intro stuff like that being like, you can do, here's some basic things that you can do. It gives you a much better idea of like what the game actually is than some super blingy small gang YouTube video or some tremendous you know titan battle video because those are the cool things that look cool and get a lot of hits on youtube but they are not the things that you're going to be doing on day 10
3: right and i think also oh go ahead i
4: oh, know i was just going to say um one of my favorite uh quotes from the but the new player experience was from ccp soundwave back in the day he said uh, starting eve was like you know welcome to eve online here's your rubik's cube go fuck yourself and to a certain extent, that has been improved so much over the last couple of years. It used to be exactly like that. You would you would start, you would log in, it would just spit you out in space, and you'd be like, okay. Like that that gif of John Travolta sort of looking around, like that's how it felt. Whereas nowadays there's all this sort of um stuff to kind of get people moving and get people kind of in space doing things. But it is there's so many different things you can do in this game that is so hard to like dial it down to a couple of key things and sort of point people in those directions because someone might get their kick on like building ten thousand ventures over over six months and someone else might just despise that, but they're really interested in doing faction warfare or they might be interested in going into these massive fleets with like horde and stuff like that. And just trying to find the right path for those people to let them know that you can do X, Y, and Z, but you can also do A, B, C, D, and so on. That's that's what's quite difficult.
3: Yeah, and that's kind of what I noticed about EVE Academy that was super cool, at least in my perspective, was I was kind of surprised by the number of options that they actually covered um, without making it, like, too overwhelming. Because, like you said, you know, people can say, like, oh, you you can do everything or anything you want, and then people just kind of get overwhelmed by the decisions. But they did a good job of giving, like, little blurbs of, like... BLOPS content was on there. Small gang even was in one of the posts, and but it was just you know like a very very like one or two sentences. It's enough to like put the seed in there that like oh this is a thing you can do. You can PvP and you can do it outnumbered, but without going you know like having an hour long podcast about small gang or whatever kind of thing. So it's just like very like the good balance of like approachable without like overwhelming people too much kind of thing.
2: Yeah, and there's more, like, uh, there's more, like, NPE improvements coming. Uh, like, in the blog, it states, like, we've been doing quite a bit of work on that. So there's definitely more coming um, in September, August, September time frame. Uh, and as that comes, we'll be, like, showing the community a little bit more about, like, what it is so they can prepare, um, like, all their resources and stuff. Because, like, one of the best ways, or probably the, the single best way, uh, that we've had to get people to stick with the game is just by uh, making sure they find one of the great, like, player groups. Because once you find a player group, you're, you're like, fine, for Like, you've, yeah, you've made it. Then you have friends. <laughs> you've, like, you've, you've figured it out. You've gotten to a point where you can ask another human being what's going on without, like, trying to open up 15 wiki articles on, and see stuff from, like, 2008.
4: I think the little uh, login bonus at the minute with the иск, um, although you know everyone on Reddit has been complaining because to are literally giving them free money, which is absurd. They're complaining about everything, um, but you know for someone who's got tens of billions of isk like it's nothing. It's just a you know it's a couple of cruisers or something. But for someone who's really new to the game, who's like a new Omega player, that's a huge amount of money, and that's that's a couple of like ships that they've been wanting like i remember when i was fairly new to the game and i was i, I saw an omen and i was like, oh man that's so cool i really want an omen and i had nowhere near enough money to buy an omen and i spent ages like um uh trading like npc goods around HiSec and like saving up to get this omen and i was so close i was like a couple of millionisk away or something like that and that was still like half my wealth at the time and then I just mentioned it to someone, um, I was like saving up for this omen and I needed like a few more million-esque and they sent me like 20 million-esque. I was like, oh my god, what am I going to do with all this money? Like bought an omen and like went this stuff, I was just flying around like looking at it from all different angles, like, this is so cool. Um, so people getting this like, it's like oh, 200 million or something for logging in at the minute, for new players, that's huge, that's a massive amount of money they're going to be able to just try things, they, like gonna be able to buy a ship that they didn't think they're gonna be able to buy for ages and go try a new bit of content or something i think it's cool
2: yeah that's like exactly right right it's like uh for a a person that is like maybe even not starting out but they're like a little bit scared to risk a ship because they're like man like times are rough (laughs) tighten the belt up i don't want to like take this ship out and potentially die because this is like my money maker this is my daily driver and you give them an extra 230 mil, and you're like, hey, maybe maybe I'll go do some uh, cool shit. Maybe I'll take a stabber out. Maybe I'll do like some dumb stuff with some friends. Who knows?
3: Yeah, or even they buy like a nicer routing ship, and then they're a nicer target and that kind of thing. And I think uh, the same is true for the SP, right? Like 10,000 SP or 5,000 SP is kind of a drop in the bucket, and I know people also were complaining about that when login rewards kind of started including sp because they were like oh it's going to devalue extractors and blah 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 or injectors but like that's next to nothing for someone who has a ton of sp but if you're new it's huge it can like let you try something you haven't tried before fly a new ship like all those things and i think it opens a lot of options with like a lot lower barrier
4: yeah because most of us don't remember what it was like when You've been like training for like like a vexer, for example. You've been training for this vexer, and you get to the vexer, and you get the skills to be able to use the drones properly, and you're really pleased with yourself. And then, like your corp announces, "Guys, we're changing the moas." Like, oh shit, I can't fly that. And you, okay, hang on, let me change my skill queue, and then train up, and you get to fly the moa like you know, two months later or something. Like, guys, we're tra- we're changing again. Oh, fuck. Like that was so common for like you know, new players is you train to one thing, and then everyone would change what they were flying. So being able to have like a little bit of skill points to just sort of reduce that time a bit, you know, for for us with you know hundreds of millions of skill points it makes very little difference. But for for those players and those are the ones that you know Eve's trying to keep. We need a lot of like new people coming in, and yeah, the rewards aren't for you know the Mitanni. He doesn't care about getting you know twenty thousand skill points. The rewards are for all the other like tens of thousands of people who are just starting the game.
0: Yeah, I think they also the idea that skill points are being handed out in these you know, small amounts, but they are coming and they'll be there and you can reassign them to whatever it frees you a little bit from some of that decision paralysis. Cause it feels less like if I don't train just the right things, I'll have like lost time and wasted, you know, my, my game experience as a newer player, you know, it takes some of the pressure out of that and makes it feel less like every skill point is a, is a, a treasure to be carefully assigned to exactly the right things you're like yeah all right but then you know tomorrow i'm gonna log in they're gonna give me five thousand skill points for shooting some rats so even if i spent today training the wrong thing for a minute it's okay
2: that's a mate like a like a massive thing right because eve is such an old game you see this like uh I I focused a lot in the last couple months, obviously (laughs) reading like different sources of Eve online, different people talking about Eve. And there are so many newer players that are like, man, this game is cool. I like the idea of it, but it's like 20 years old. There's no way I'm going to be able to catch up. Uh, And so being able to free people from that mentality where like, you don't have to min max everything from day one. And if you screw up, you're like, up a creek without a paddle like forever uh just being able to give them that little bit of extra leeway to be like okay well i screwed up i didn't want to do this i wanted to do that instead uh i think that's massive
3: yeah i mean that was me like four years ago or so i had like started the game and i was like oh i'm so far behind you know like i'm like a decade behind all these other people i'm never gonna catch up what do you mean like i can't just you know like grind rats to get levels like you can in other games that kind of thing like that was definitely one of my like hang-ups at the very beginning and i just kind of i ended up getting over it but i remember that being like a really big deal like oh am i just going to be behind because i'm too late to join this game
4: i like the free sp like i i log in to get it because across accounts it kind of adds up and you eventually get a couple of million um like unassigned sp just sitting there which is really nice to have if you suddenly need to like get into something or or max a skill out that you hadn't thought about suddenly. You can just quickly do it.
2: Or if you need to uh, fly a certain Alliance tournament. uh, Exactly. Perfect
3: transition.
0: Yeah, right? I just finished training, or no, I have like two days left on Medium Vorton Gun Specialization 5. So, you know, Stormbringers are next, which I hear they fly in the AT sometimes. They're cheap. They're like... uh... (laughs) they're <laughs> yeah they're
2: they're like six points or something <laughs> yeah when aurora and i were like designing the points we were just like hey what if we made these like really cheap uh cheap enough that like we want you to take them but the but you're like you're all there's also a massive opportunity cost because you can only take 10 ships so we want to make them enticing to, to just torture people, really, be like, oh, should we take? Yeah. Should we waste one of our slots on these ships? Like,
0: oh shit, they're so good, but this those,
2: thing's also those super one good. point
0: skybreakers,
2: though.
4: Oh, the one point skybreaker is good. Yeah, yeah, that's really good.
2: I think that's the most efficient ship that's ever been in the alliance tournament in terms of like slots and EHP per point. Um, it's super cheap.
3: Yeah, they are certainly tanky.
0: Obviously we're moving into talking about some AT things. What are the the like points changes from the Alliance open and I guess less so the the anger games because the team composition is different from the anger games with 7 to a team if I recall correctly, which makes like the point scale and team membership uh, you know and ship slots work quite differently. Like, points changes from, say, the Alliance Open, or if you want to go back to previous Alliance tournaments, even though it's been a minute, do you think are going to be really effective?
2: I've been doing Alliance Tournament, like... It's been my favorite part of EVE since I started in uh, Alliance Tournament 6. Where I was, like, able to to play on the main stage. And PL let this, like, nobody fly on their team because the other guy uh, had, like, a shitty... like internet connection so they're like well he practiced so i guess we'll we'll let him do it this one match and then we just kept the winning so they're just like oh let's not let's not mess with it Uh, so ever since then i've been like super devoted to the at so it's been a like a dream come true to be able to like tinker with it on this scale um so basically like the the points the point changes the big changes are um i guess you can kind of see from the Alliance open and from the previous Alliance tournaments, uh, the logistics frigates, we actually bumped up quite a bit in terms of cost uh, because the meta was really favoring just taking two logistics frigates because they're so point efficient uh, for what they offer. And then just taking that. a bunch yeah. of core ships. So we made those a little bit more expensive um, and kind of cheapened down the uh, the Tech 1 logic Cruiser and the Tech 2 logic Cruiser a little bit. Uh, to get those back on the field.
0: Interesting. I noticed um, the thing that jumped out to me was the the tweak to command ship and T3C points that I think means we're going to, I don't know, if it's still possible to really fill out the support wing with one of those like triple command ship, double T3C, or vice versa, rush comps that we saw at the end of the Alliance Open.
2: Yeah, the the goal that we wanted to make, and obviously this is what everyone would, would say designing an alliance tournament is we want to make it so there's no clear cut like winning comp every single time. Right. We want to be able to say, like, yo, control teams are viable, rush teams are viable, kiting teams are viable. Um, like really core heavy teams with like a bunch of frigates are also viable. Uh so we want to have like a lot of options available just to, to make sure that. Different archetypes can be played, and it's not nearly just um, as formulaic and figured out, uh, which is a super challenge because you're talking about the best minds that Eve has to offer. Um, like just looking at these point setups for uh, a few months and being able to like tinker it and uh, work with it and optimize it and come up with like the best ways to get every ounce of DPS. Every ounce of control out of this, uh, these 100 points. So it's super intimidating, but I think we struck a a really nice balance.
0: Yeah, it looks. I mean, I've been, you know, playing with the tournament tool and working on, you know, some comps for the network team and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it's the kind of puzzle that I can do for hours or days at a time if my wife doesn't remind me that I have to stop and eat.
2: Yeah, uh, Aurora's had this brilliant idea because we made a, a few of the um, ships a little bit more granular in points, right? So not every ship has their own point value, but there were a few classes where certain ships were just a little bit better and noticeably better. So we want to up their points uh, and then other classes where like some ships were shittier. So or not shittier, but uh, obviously weaker. So we want less to lower desirable.
0: Their yeah, less optimized for a tournament setting.
2: Yeah, so we want it to be a, like a little bit more granular. So when we were going through this, um, we had to <laughs> both stop ourselves and be like, okay, we're getting a little bit too granular here. But she had this genius idea, which um, I think she borrowed from other other teams, to just supply the the spreadsheet, like the the team builder spreadsheet, to all the teams that were like interested in competing. So you can just click a little drop downs and select your your teams, and it'll uh, go red if you've like screwed up and brought four destroyers or something
3: it's so handy to have who would do that Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> who would bring four destroyers just absolute <laughs> that bad would man. be against the rules <laughs> just both of things
0: yep yeah I was just uh I you know of course we you know network made their own copy and all that and I added it so that it turns yellow if you bring too many logi cruisers or whatever
4: I think it's makes it way more accessible as well. Um, It seems like that's, I mean, that sounds daft. uh, How does a spreadsheet make it more accessible? But before, if a team wanted to join the AT and they'd never had any experience before doing this, actually building the infrastructure to kind of come up with comps and make sure you're not making mistakes and so on takes a bit of time. Like people build these spreadsheets to do exactly what this one is doing. So having it already there means that the barrier for entry is just a little bit lower. For um, for teams joining,
0: yeah, it's not a huge roadblock, but it is like the the comp spreadsheet specifically is like the first roadblock, and so I think it definitely makes it easier to get a little bit of momentum going, you know. And you're like looking at like, oh, we've got a, our first practice coming up, we've got a we we have to show up in ships for that. What are we doing? And then you have, you know, a bunch of people play with the spreadsheet and you come up with a couple things to try, and then. You know, even if your team is not great or your team is not experienced and your comps are not, you know, dialed in to the nth degree, at least you feel like you're you're sure that you could warp on grid in that and not be disqualified. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a that's great starting challenge. point. Dude. <laughs> low bar,
0: and it is a low bar. But that's what stops people from trying to compete in things a lot. I think is that not that they'll lose the match, but that they won't really get to play the match because something will go wrong you know what i mean
2: yeah it's a it's really neat because this is what teams do anyways like this is what the good teams do the minute they see the rules um they have someone making one of these sheets and so just being able to say hey this is what the elite teams do here's for everyone i think it's a a nice little starting off point um and it really does help it does get those creative juices flowing too right because you can just have some of the best comps that uh, of the Alliance Tournament has seen is just like some guy tinkering at work, being like, Oh, I wonder if this will work on just like a little scratch pad or something. Now you could have this open, and it looks like you're doing real work too, because it's like a spreadsheet with numbers and stuff and drop downs and colors. And you're like, Yeah, boss, I'm doing work coming up with the, the next Alliance Tournament team.
0: Yeah. And it's, I don't think it really takes anything away from those more experienced teams. You know, because a lot of that, the skill expression in theory crafting and stuff, that's going to come in the fitting and the actual flying of the ships. So, you know, or even in, in conceiving of the the idea to put, we're going to put, you know, two abaddons and two Oracles on grid and just fry anything that comes near us. It doesn't give people those ideas. It just takes some of the pain away from realizing them.
2: Yeah, exactly. I will. I will say, like, uh, one of the, the the things I was mortified about when the Alliance Hornet rules, like, uh, f- first came out, is there's like this there's this bullet point that I, I swore I deleted, um, <laughs> that uh, because we wanted to make it more accessible not only for um, you know, new people participating in theory crafters, but for people that like weren't necessarily part of a big group. Uh, that's where we threw the the mercenary rule in. So if your alliance isn't competing, uh, but you want to compete, you can just throw your name in the hat and, and you can say, hey, I want to compete on this team. Um, if you come up with an agreement, whatever that agreement is, we don't care what it is. Uh, you can be a mercenary. There's up to 10 mercenaries on any given team. Um, and it also works for groups like Spectre Fleet. So we came up with like, we tried to formalize that rule uh, quite a bit. And... Um, so to help that, we uh, said, hey, if you want to change your team name to something that's not more reflective of your identity rather than just your alliance name, uh, we'll consider it. And I put this little blurb in there to show some guidelines. Uh, and one of the guidelines was like, oh, this group wants to be known as Specter Fleet because that's where they fly as uh, on TQ. So yeah, the IGC will, will be all about that. And then I just, as a joke, while I was writing the rules, I put in this thing to to just laugh at as I was going through it. And it's uh, something like a low-sec alliance adds some worm holders to their ranks. And they request a name change of, like, XXX420 hold destroyers. And every time, like, I saw that, I laughed when I was, like, going through the rules. And I meant to delete it because it's obviously, like... <laughs> the it's not professional at all and it's like super shitty sounding and way too mimi <laughs> and i accidentally left it in and so i'm going through like this we have to have this localized too into like nine different languages and so <laughs> i'm going through this thing as it's posted i'm like what why does it say 420 hold the shares <laughs> on there I was just like, my face went beat red. I was like, "Oh shit! I swear I deleted this."
1: You know, you can. When I do shit like that, I I usually like highlight the text a different color or something like that, so I can can make sure I go (laughs) back and edit it out. (laughs) I was like,
2: "I'll never let this go." Like, don't worry me. I'll never let. And every time I went through an editing pass, uh, I'd get a chuckle out of it, and then I'd like I'd make Aurora read it, like the whole thing, not just that segment. And I guess she would also get a chuckle out of it, but she was like, operating on the assumption that I was going to delete it too, uh, and so both of us were like, "Yeah, yeah, someone will delete it. Don't worry. This this can't see the light of day." But like, <laughs> we're the ones that were in charge, so it just stayed in the whole time. It's beautiful. Oh, it feels
0: bad. A lot of other people got a <laughs> chuckle out of it as well.
4: I just really want to see the different translations of it. <laughs>
0: Yeah right. What does what does four twenty hull destroyers look like in Japanese? Yeah, well, we can tell that actually. It has been localized into <laughs> Japanese, uh, <laughs> Russian,
2: Korean. Uh, oh man! Shit, what are they like? Well, it got it got localized into the, the the whole thing, and I feel bad for like the people who do the translating because we threw this nine page document <laughs> at them. We we're like, here are the rules. By the way, poof. Have a good weekend. See you on Monday. <laughs>
1: That's too funny.
2: Hopefully they also got a chuckle out of it. I'm sure they think it's the, the most insane thing they've ever read. And they're like, what the hell is this? So that must have been one of your first like tasks,
1: your first things you got involved with when you joined CCP, I imagine, right? Like It was probably underway already, I, I would imagine.
2: So uh, when I joined, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be like one thing down the line. I want to bring the Alliance Hornet back somehow. I'll, I'll figure out a way. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to try. So I get in the door and I was like talking to, you know, just talking to everyone else. And I was talking to Aurora about this. She's like, oh yeah, I already did it. (laughs) Like I had the same thought when I joined like last year. Uh, So it's literally all done. Like I have the budget, I have everything. uh, It's good to go. And I was like, the whole thing's done? She's like, oh yeah, the whole thing's done. Don't don't (laughs) worry, we got the ships, we got everything. And I was like, holy shit. She like did this all in her own time as well. She restructured the tournament in a way that it can always be, like, um, run by the community team. It doesn't need, it doesn't have to have some buy-in from anyone else. Obviously, it would be great if it's a success and we want to keep it doing and, like, growing it. But she structured it in such an ingenious way where it can just, it can just exist in perpetuity, like, as the Alliance tournament. Yeah. So, I was, like, so, so happy. And because I have like a, a lot of alliance tournament experience as a player I know a lot of people will be like oh this is this must have been what what he's been doing for the last couple of months and I just like no it's literally been all Aurora um, wow. I've been like tinkering with some points with her and stuff and like brainstorming on rules and stuff but that's like the extent of my involvement so um, amazing. she's the she's the tournament MVP for sure I am super super happy and, and proud she's of gonna be winning a nanny
1: next to. year. Tell yeah. you what,
2: yeah, oh, for sure,
1: <laughs> yeah. she's coming for you, Rise. The
4: um the reintroduction of uh, prize ships as well, such a good idea. I've been pushing for it for a couple of years now, uh, especially when even during I think eighty sixteen there was there was grumbles about making new at ships because of resources and stuff at the time. And honestly, like it's just there's a cartel that exists around some of these ships, and getting more of them into more people's hands is just better for for everyone like people are hoarding yes. these ships so many are, are lost or banned uh, through summer blink like the atanas for example like even if you knew someone that had an atana you probably couldn't buy it off them because they want to keep it in case uniques are allowed back in tournaments again in the future so it's just it's just such a good idea i mean i'm all for massively ramping up the number of um, prize ships as well from 50 to like, maybe like 250 or something like, and diving them out down to like say eighth place or even down to 16 or something like that, just to really spread them out. But maybe that's a too far for now.
2: Aurora and I had some uh, wild conversations about like that, that exact conversation of like, Hey, how many more of these can we like pump out and and, like trickle down? And just obviously as uh, just to play devil's advocate, we were like, well, not we. I was like, what if we just did like a thousand, <laughs> like a thousand ships? Like we, I just took like one extreme, uh, and then we we're just like, well, what if we just did it to like ten ships? Uh, and what would be like the big pain points? What would what would break? What would suck about it? What would be great about it? Um. So yeah, obviously there's not going to be a thousand, right? But. Right. Uh, It was just like a really neat thought experiment to say, "Hey, what would what would be the impact of having more of these ships?" Like I think uh, what he said is right. We got CB Conflict actually. Conflict um, was he just like pulled all the data for the tournament ships, and we were looking at some of the ones from ten years ago. The average login time on those characters um, is three years. (laughs) Like. These people have not logged into their account in, on average, three years for these ships. And it's a shame because the ships are so, so cool. Yeah.
4: The only people that complain are collectors and and cartel owners. Like, this happened when they re-released the silver and gold magnets. All the existing silver magnet holders complained because their ship value had suddenly plummeted. But that was it. Everyone else thought it was a great idea. Um,
0: Right. The other 29,997 players or whatever.
4: Yeah, I mean when we did the Alliance open through Event, uh, CCP Aurora helped us a lot with that. And pretty much every single meeting that we had with them and like the run up when we were planning it, I would join the meeting, I'd be like, Hello, can we do it on TQ and can we have prize ships? And every meeting she had to basically be like, Not this time, sorry, not this time, sorry. <laughs> so yeah. and I also I put I remember putting a proposal to her, I was like, This is how many prize ships I want, this is how many I want to like distribute them down to like the eight team. I'll have 250 of each. Thank you. We'll do it, do it like this. So I'm going to take full credit for this. This is this is my idea. I did it. Well, as
0: someone who's,
1: like, since I started PvPing in EVE, I've wanted a Maraca. And They're so cool. Since, since that I've wanted one, I've watched the price go up and up and up and up. Like, I swear, I could grind, and I still, like, it would always, you know, like, just be out of reach. Like, you jump, and you, like, your fingers touch the rim, and then the rim's a foot higher. <laughs> So, I have a a small Maratha
4: story which always makes me chuckle a little bit. And this is like eight years ago or something like that, maybe seven years ago. I was just roaming around Losec and I warped and landed on a a Losec to Losec gate. And just as I landed, um, a jump freighter decloaks and starts aligning off. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. A jump freighter just gating around Losec. And then a Maratha decloaks and webs the um, jump freighter off into warp and then warps off after it. And I was like, what the fuck? And it was Paquito from Shadow Cartel just balling around low like webbing his jump <laughs> nice. freighter around as he moved gate to
0: gate. Yeah. I guess he figures if, if anything's going to if anything's gonna ambush him, they're going to go for the jump freighter as soon as it declocks.
1: Didn't Paquito lose one? I'm pretty sure he lost one. Didn't he?
0: Yeah. And speaking of losing
3: them, haven't we had like three unique deaths in like the last like two weeks or so?
0: It was three in, inside seven days. Yeah. Two of them got Von Hold, and then one of them died in the low, like a silver magnate, I think.
3: Yeah. And I think that all kind of happened right after this announcement that there'd actually be prize ships again. I think a lot of people were kind of hoarding them, or like you said, kind of there's a cartel around it, and you're kind of holding onto it because you know there's not going to be any more ever. So it's one of those things where it's like you undock it and you know you might lose it forever and never get a chance to get another one. And now that's, you know, it's still going to be really hard to get them. It's still unlikely that you'll get them, but the chance is there. And I think that's a little bit different than knowing for a fact that you'll never get one.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we're we're still waiting to hear, of course, the exact details of prizes and the exact details of what these ships are. But I am personally looking forward to small ganging in the Hick form of the Orthrus. I think that's going to be amazing.
2: The the hick orthrus, yeah. The The hick orthrus, yeah. I mean, these the orthrus is such a great ship, anyways. For for I know, uh, you could like just making that better is absolutely insane to me. Um, I'm sure CCB Rise is just like super giddy at trying to figure out ways that he can make this, um, a completely broken ship even more broken.
4: Just roll it back to the release orthrus, yeah. (laughs) <laughs>
1: Nerf plus cob ops cloak,
2: yeah. There you go, done. <laughs> done. When they first came out, I grinded in low sec uh, until I got one and I built one myself because I couldn't trust the market. Uh, and I took one out to Brave Space. And this is when Brave were like throw atrons at everything. Uh, and the, the ship was super like, uh, rapid lights were super broken to begin with, and the orthrus itself was also super broken. And I literally like hit my kill limit because I ran out of ammo. I had to ferry myself out some ammo because I was in this one mining pocket and I'd go tackle like a Hulk. And then they'd throw like 30 Atrons at me and I'd just kill Atrons for days. And then I'd log off and be like, oh, that was fun. But I ran out of ammo. Like that's never happened to me in a ship before. It was insane. Uh, And then just to make it fair, they killed me on the way back because uh, I was gating like an idiot <laughs> and uh, so i went through ge and they just all killed me nice i this is like
1: a bit of a tangent but um i was actually fighting brave recently and it was the weirdest thing we are right in their their new staging system uh in Querius, and i tackled a dominix so we're like we're holding this dominix there's two dominixes in there one warped out so we're holding the other one. He warps back in his Dominic. So we like kill the first one and tackle that one. And then that Dominic's pallet came back in a merm. It's so, like we killed the merm holding the other Dominic still. Came back in a like <laughs> in a in a frig and got clapped. And then like they it was just like 20 minutes. And they wouldn't there was like 90 people in local. Nothing. Nobody came to help him. So he ended up dying because there was a dude in a Varger running sites, running Anoms. So A, I was roaming with AP, so he's like on an, on a, another character moving his own varger from the wormhole, and sure enough, so we tackle this varger, it claps AP's sentinel because it's a varger. Uh, he was like, okay, they got nerfed, like I'll try, I'll try it. Nope, it was like you know grazing, grazing, hit, volleyed, dead. But anyway, the thing wasn't even—it was just a PVE fit varger right in their staging system that we tackled and then killed. Nobody came to help. It was the weirdest thing. What the hell, Brave? What's going on?
2: They're busy preparing for the big weekend push, dude. I guess so.
1: <laughs> I guess. Anyway, tangent over back to AT. It just reminded me of it.
0: We've been wandering all over the place a little bit, but what what do you guys think? I mean, you know, obviously I think everyone in this channel is participating in the AT either directly or indirectly or both. Um, so you know, don't don't give away your your big secrets. But do you guys do. have any thoughts? Yeah, or or do that's fine. Do you guys have any thoughts about like what this meta might look like?
4: So I think that the points balance um, that Aurora and Swift did has well at least at surface level done what they wanted to do and sort of make it so that there's no clear obvious choices anymore. Because um, during the last AT and um, the Alliance Open, people like narrowed down relatively quickly into more efficient comps and then it became a, a case of either ban them or take them. And so far, I don't think there's any like obvious standout. Maybe one will turn out. Um, one thing that's probably going to happen is there'll be a lot more sort of fly killer style comps because of the, the cheapness of the Mordus Legion ships this year. But then again, they, they become a banned target because of that. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see how how this goes on. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, kiting in this particular one. And I'm all for that because kiting comps are so easy to mess up. Like a brawl comp, you can't really mess it up that much. You, could, you just sort of approach, hit F1, put your webs on, maybe stay at range if you're an advanced top tier pilot, um, and then hope to win. Uh, But with kiting, you have to like fly around an arena and you have to like not fly out of the arena, um, while also trying not to get too close to the other team who are trying to catch you and you have to like web them off and uh, it's,
1: yeah, execution wise. It's like an an anti-Casper type setup, right? Like you don't want to, like you're going to fly right out of the arena.
4: Yeah, I mean, Casper has got the, the record still, uh, 227 kilometers, I believe. Uh, it's the only time he's come first in the Alliance tournament, anything. Um, <laughs>
0: wow, wow, you guys just... <laughs> we're just he's not it. even here, we're just going to roast he's him. He's going to be here tonight, and he had to do a work thing instead, and you're going to just, just drag yeah. him through the mud. Let's <laughs> do it, this is fun. I think the only like really obvious standout just at first pass on the points is that like a triple bar guest battleship comp is going to be a thing, but I think it's also going to get banned like crazy. Swift, do you have any
2: meta thoughts? I, I I don't know exactly. Like I've got a few like comps in mind that I think will be popular. Uh, I think we'll hilariously, I think we'll see like a few battleship heavy comps with a lot of uh, cruisers be, be popular, at least for like the first weekend, because they're like, very low effort, uh, very easy to execute, very like comfort types of comps where you can just like two armored battleships or two like TFIs and a bunch of frigates and cruisers and just throw it at like whatever you want because they can survive uh, a bargus volley or a couple bargus volleys, maybe not three, but they can survive some Bargast volleys. Um, recons are actually kind of expensive this year, so I know there's uh, the curse. Is one of those ships that looks great on Alliance Torment paper, um, but I think they're a little bit too expensive to make like a, a triple curse comp or something like that work. Um, I did see like a lot of really fun theory crafting with uh, uh, oracles and uh, nagas, which I don't think would ever work, uh, but I really hope I'm wrong on that. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of ships will try and do like Ithaca said. Um, because the the bargists and the, the entire mortar ships are so cheap we're gonna try and do like a shield not quite i don't know if it's gonna be like a, a proper kite team but like a shield skirmishy type comp uh, and those things are so hard to execute there's so many things where you can screw it because you can't die next to someone that's uh, alive right so if you do get caught you have to make sure that the guy that's caught is as far away from possible from everybody. The logic has to be like completely on his toes. The tackle has to be screening everything perfectly. You can't fly out of the arena. You can't do this. You can't do that. It's so hard to get right, um, and it's always kind of uh, amazing to watch the teams execute it so well. Like the the Hydra and the Vydras of the world, where they just uh, and the Tuskers even. Uh, where they can just like fly perfectly. And you're like, wow, they managed to pull this shit off. Like that's insane. All
0: All 10 of them did this right for 10 minutes straight.
2: Yeah. And then you see, you see someone else say, okay, that's a cool looking comp. It did well, let me try and copy it without months of practice. And it's like the normal guy at the Olympics. Like he just gets blown out compared to everyone else. Um, And you're just like, wow, you have like a, a fonder appreciation for, how well executed those teams are
0: yeah for sure I think it was interesting um, between the the points and like the cheap mortar ships the super cheap skybreaker tackle and the new flagship rules I was kind of wondering if it would skew more towards shield this year because two of the the, the very best, Armor flagships are banned from being flagships. The Lashak and the Bar- or Balgorn.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say in general, Triglavian ships are more expensive too, right? They're they're on the pricier side.
2: They are. They they are super pricey for what they offer. Um, I do think we'll see probably the most common Triglavian ship we'll see is something like a Nurgle, um, or maybe the the logistics, depending on how the meta shakes up. Um, but I do really like the, the concept of taking this Nurgle because what how teams were flying it is they were just having this one Nurgle be, like, the screen and also tackling um, the logistics cruiser. And after it ramps up, it just solos the logistics cruiser by itself. Like, it'll just latch onto uh, an Oneros and just kill it over time. So I think we'll see some Nurgles. The other ships, probably not so much. They are incredibly strong in the Alliance Hornet um, like layout and format. So we wanted to make sure that those ships were, were priced up according to their uh, point. And to your point about the, uh, the wild cards, the the Leshak, Balgorn, Rattlesnake, and I think Widow are, are no-nos for the, the wild cards. Everything else is fair game. Uh, there's a lot of people saying every wild card is going to be a bar guest. Which is entirely possible because it's like very cheap and it's a great ship, but it will be the weakest tanked wild uh, card ship ever to, to be in an Alliance Torment if you, you choose that, right? So you're talking about putting a ton of good investment into this ship with a slick uh, six slot tank. So it's going to be interesting to see. I know like the day one meta is everyone's taking a guess for their wild card, but...
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. That's that info is going to be put up on the website um, in October, right? Once it's those are all finalized,
2: you'll be able to see everyone's uh, mercenaries, and you'll be able to see everyone's uh, flagships.
0: That's cool. What if I, if you don't mind talking about this, I was curious. Like, why the widow flagship ban? What was the thought behind that?
1: Fucking resist bonus.
2: It got a really, really, really good bonus uh, or like good kind of set of buffs over the last, uh, like the Blobs patch. Uh, so it is, we were tinkering with it and we we're throwing like some some swanky mods on there, like even Abyssal Rolled Officer mods. And we're like, holy shit, this thing is way overpowered. Um, and so we we're like a little bit worried that it would be a little bit too strong, uh, especially in the format. Usually, with an ECM team, the hard thing to overcome is a lack of damage, and maybe RNG's like just rolling wrong for you. But uh, widows definitely no longer have a damage problem, uh, yeah. and they also can tank pretty well now. So uh, we wanted to make sure, like all the blobs got, uh, I think, points up a little bit because of that passion particular. Uh, but the widow, we were just a little bit too terrified that this thing could just run run crazy on us. Yeah,
4: the thing about flagships is like. at base level you've got a ship that you can now put on like more pimp modules you can put faction dead space officer abyssal world officer whatever you want and make it better but not all flagships are created equal because some of them scale more than others like the balgarn for example is a classic uh, alliance tournament flagship because the web bonus scales so much more than almost anything else that if you take um, either a very well rolled abyssal web or um, an officer web, like a Toby web, and you park your Balgorn at zero in an arena, when the match starts with links and Heat, that thing can web out to like 56 kilometers, which is further than the furthest ship could possibly be from you if you warp it in at zero. So that means as soon as the match starts, it's been re would and it immediately locks and webs the enemy logistics from over 50 kilometers away. And that is unbelievably powerful in, in a tournament environment. I think also pushing it slightly towards shield with everyone wanting to take uh, the bar guests makes things just interesting because I think historically um, armor comps have been more dominant more often than shield comps and you saw in the anger games they actually allowed the Atana to try and balance that out a little bit so I think maybe letting people pick things like bar guests, or rather encouraging people to pick things like bar guests, might also move it slightly towards shield and, and maybe make it more balanced.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting too, because just adult overall, like, you know, a lot of those ships people are going to be using have EM therm holes. So does that, you know, make it like make it open up the the Amar supremacy counter? Are we going to see like some of the stuff we saw in I can't remember which Sherman it was with where it was like the the double paladins and stuff? We're we're seeing some use those comps.
2: I flew an Amar rush comp once, uh, and we ended up. That was the only alliance hornet where we didn't place. <laughs> so uh, I'm skeptical, <laughs> but I do think there is I do think some Amar Rush comps and just some Amar comps in general might work. Um I've got like my dark horse hopes that the Redeemer is gonna be on
0: field some
2: because right. it's a super good it, ship now. It does a it lot of damage damage.
0: And the bonus newts are not nothing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it yeah. I mean another Speaking of Amar ships, like do you guys think we'll see any Armageddon flagships? Because as you mentioned, the Balgorn with the webs, like the Armageddon gets a newt range, not a newt amount, but newt range bonus, and you could roll some pretty sick newt amount and, and like land and newt out logistics, for example, you know, if you warp it at zero.
4: So abyssal rolled uh, mods, there's some restrictions on them for flagships, and one of them is uh neutralizers. Um so that de-emphasizes the...
0: um... Yeah, I was going to ask about that because my first thought when I saw the Balgorn was banned was, oh, maybe we'll see some Armageddon flagships. But it's not just Abyssal, it's no nothing higher than T2, right? For energy neutralizers?
2: Yeah, for news and webs, yeah.
0: So, you know, that kind of trash cans the flagship (laughs) Armageddon idea because you don't, (laughs) like, you know, you gain tank and maybe speed and, and things like that, but without that scaling bonus to the newt range and things, I don't think we're gonna see much of that.
1: Yeah, not worth for 30. Well, it could be worth, just not for flagship.
0: Yeah, certainly. I think someone might field them, but what what prompted the web and the newt to be left out of that list?
2: So the those things scale incredibly, incredibly well uh, when you throw more money at them. Uh, So we were looking at ships like a a Vindicator with a Rolled Toby web. Uh, And just the the Geddon in general, being able to newt any logistics on field and you can't ban it. You would just have to kill the the flagship. Uh, And so we might have been a little bit too heavy-handed on it for the the web and the newt. Um, We can make changes for next year if it does become way too formulaic. But uh, just wanted to... We want to shake it up a little bit and kind of remove the areas where we know uh, they scale incredibly well. Because you're talking about an arena, a ranged web is m- a massive bonus in a small arena, right? Because you're talking about you can't go very far. You can't run uh, like 300 kilometers away. There, You can only be a certain distance from people. And with MJDs um, and just stuff like that, the, the webs can really, really, really scale. Um, absolutely insanely insane with the nudes
3: i forget were um abyssal rolls a thing when the last like very last alliance tournament before yeah. it was brought back that was the only tournament where they were a thing though right like the year before they weren't correct yeah so
4: i remember um before that uh, it was all like balgarns were like super popular and then uh, in eighty sixteen, uh Lishac came in as well because an abyssal rolled LaShack was was very very strong, uh, to say the least. But the only sad thing about them was uh, during 1816, when sorry, when 1815, when a Balgorn, a flag, flag Balgorn, died, you saw on Zedkill this like 60, 70 bill Balgorn go down, and then like all the Reddit threads pop up. People would be like, "What the hell is this? What's the 60 bill Balgorn?" And then everyone would be like, "Oh, it's the Alliance turn, etc., etc." But with the Bissell roll stuff, these these Balgorns would go down and come up on Zedkill and be like seven billion because the Abyssal-rolled um, uh, modules didn't have any value. And I know for a fact that, um, I mean, at least you'll probably know the true value of the the PL
2: one uh, that died. Do you want to tell them? <laughs> a very big amount.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, th- that one was not cheap at all. Uh, one of the, the most expensive uh, flagships.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the, the things that, Bringing back the prize ships um, pushes a little bit because, you know, people like the prize skins and things and they like winning, but very few groups are going to throw 60 or 80 or however many billions of ISK at a flagship and risk losing it for a skin that's going to end up on the market for three bill or whatever. But the prize ships, people will will really go all in for which is you know has its ups and downs but I think it produces some pretty entertaining kill mails if nothing else.
4: The skins are pretty dope as well to be fair. Like I really like the um uh the AT skins. Like I've got the the Blood Raiders one on my Balgar and I just think it looks awesome. It's like one of the best looking skins.
0: Yes. No I'm not at all devaluing uh how good the skins look or anything like that, but I think People are just willing to put more on the line for for a functionality than an Absolutely. appearance. I wave. mean, there's
4: trillions of isk worth of uh, worth of ships. Like, it's a huge amount of money, um, especially with uh, the inflation of those ships at the moment. Like, they're going for multiple hundreds of bill, like minimum. Like, if you want to buy a fiend, for example, it's like, cool. Make sure you've got half a trillion isk lying around because otherwise, no one's selling one to you. They are yeah. so much money, and if you win. So going by the previous numbers, uh, so Alliance from at 17 may differ, but Alliance at 16, for example, and you won that, you got like 25 cruisers and 25 frigates. And if you just assume each of those is worth, say, conservatively 200, 250 billion, that is so much money. And split maybe like 15, 20 ways, maximum.
2: Yeah, yeah you're talking about the fat stacks, as the kid calls it, as the kids call it. Um... For this year, we did ban alliance tournament ships from competing uh, for a few reasons. Uh, one of the main reasons is like we wanted the alliance wars back. We wanted to make sure that everyone had a level playing field because in previous years, when alliance Hornet ships were able to be in there, um, if you didn't have one, you just you weren't getting in the top two. Like that's just just how it was. These ships were so strong, not only being able to like avoid bans, right? Like you could just avoid. A basilisk ban or a scimitar ban by taking the Same with uh, a rubisu. Like just opening that up is one huge thing. And just the ships themselves are so so good. Uh, so if you didn't have access to those, the alliance tournament or placing highly in the alliance tournament was a multi-year process because first you had to get in like the top six so you could get one of those ships of the prize ships, and then you had to like favor trade your prize ships for the prize ship that you want. And then you had to risk it on that next one and hope you got top four, so you can get even more for the year after that. And um, it just because it becomes this like club of the super elite, and then twenty eight other teams, which is yes. no fun, right? Yes. So we wanted That's to make a big sure that incumbent that, uh,
0: advantage for sure.
2: Yeah, we wanted to make sure that wasn't uh, stopping people from participating for this year. Uh, in the future, I know people do love the kill mails, uh, the the big bling the Marachas dying. Like, I still remember the the hype when, uh, I forget which Alliance Hornet it was, but it had like six Alliance Hornet ships in there and it was just like the Miracha comp from PL. And it was insane, uh, just hype everywhere because there was like a trillion disc on the field and half of it exploded or could have exploded at any given moment. Uh, but yeah, for this year, we're, we're not making, we're making sure that doesn't... Uh, preclude people from competing uh so really excited uh to see how these seems can comp- uh, like fair like i am very very hopeful that there will be some newcomer that we haven't heard of um like showing up and, and showing the old dogs how it's done
4: i'm putting my money behind templis Calciva, i think like yeah, they're love they've Temp-less. just dominated in uh alliance open and anger games and the last time there was an alliance tournament um they were still relative newcomers to the tournament scene and they upset hydra um i think they got to like May. did they make top they made top 32 i'm sure but i don't know if they made top 16 but they were just kind of new to the tournament scene so they were kind of the upstarts and then um during alliance open uh we talked about them beating hydra and then they just came through and just dumpstered everyone uh got to the grand final and just won it straight one two three bang done and didn't even use their uh um their wild card shit. Yeah, they didn't even
2: pick a one, yeah. right?
4: So they picked one, they just never brought it. They they just never brought it at all. They just we don't even need it. And then they did very similar in the anger games. So I think they have they've now shown and they've they've had enough practice with Alliance Open and Anger Games that with AT is back, they should be one of the favorites. They're no longer like underdogs. They are I, I put them as number one at the minute.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I have a good All friend right. of mine that I played with for years kill a 542 on that team. So showed it to him.
2: Yeah, I am so happy with uh like the the Templar story. I remember when they were just these like dinky little dudes in Sujurento and like uh, just the the faction warfare war zone over there and flying around. I saw them at E Vegas and they they were like four of them, but they printed out like this massive Templar flag. I remember seeing them be like, yeah, man, these guys are cool. They got it. They got it together. They know what Eve's about, right? The camaraderie, the uh, the hanging out, the having a good time no matter what. And then they just grew and grew and grew. And they competed in all of like Eve NT's events. Um, the Last Spartan really made a name for himself as a uh, tournament captain, like going toe to toe with people like Hoodie Mafia and uh, Nick and Noiser and like coming out on top. And then just just seeing them thrive uh, has been one of my favorite like overarching eve stories and now they're i think i think it's right they're like they've got to be top dogs they've got to be like a huge target on
0: their back for everyone competing yeah it'll be interesting to see they've been winning very convincingly like you said
4: i think the technical term that the kids are using these days is beaming kids it's what they've been doing
0: Is, is that what it's called now yeah i'm too old for these things i'm afraid
4: I'm reliably informed. That's that's what we say these days, beaming kids.
1: I don't even know if I've heard that one yet. That's bad. <laughs> well, ask your kids. <laughs> right. Uh, true story. Cool. Well, one thing before we're, we're going on pretty long here, but I think we've covered a ton, so that's great. But I just wanted to ask you guys, like, especially uh, uh, CCP Swift and, and yourself, Ithaca, like, if you had to pick one thing, about what makes you so hype about the AT? What is it? Like, one thing. I know it's it's a tough question, but...
4: Uh, I mean, other than the fact that it's back.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that. Like, what is it about AT?
4: I just really like watching, um, you know people have spent hundreds of hours practicing and just perfecting this one little part of of this game which has got so much to do in it this is just one aspect of it and people have spent literally hundreds and hundreds of hours if not thousands perfecting that little bit of it and they go up against another team who've spent almost the same amount of time perfecting the same thing and it is just watching like it could be a masterclass of piloting and fitting and all these little bits and pieces all put together to make a really exciting match. And I just, yeah, I like watching it. and I like watching these, uh, some of the best pilots in the game go up against each other and see who's best.
2: Yeah, EVE is a game where you don't ever get a fair fight. There's never like an organized, uh, there's no never a moment where you enter a fight and you're like, okay, the other guy has the same like advantage or disadvantage as me going in. And this is the one time where that changes. So being able to see what like the best minds that Eve have to offer or that Eve has to offer, come up with what they think is good. And then just the small like piloting decisions that they make throughout like this very panicky, uh, 10, 15 minute, uh, like window. is just so cool to see having been on both sides. I have like such as a fond appreciation and admiration for the theory crafting and the piloting skill and the execution. So being able to watch that is just like, you can't get it in any other stage of EVE Online. This is the only place to get it, and I am so stoked.
1: That's yeah, awesome. All right, guys. Well, we should wrap it up. Um, so we'll just go down the list real quick. Any quick shout-outs? You don't have to. Don't feel forced. But uh, Andy?
3: Yeah, shout out to the network AT team. We have a bunch of people actually, like way more than I thought. I think we had like 14 or 16 people show up. Uh, so like mainstream and some some backups. And it was super cool to just like see people excited and like wanting to practice, wanting to get better. And it was super encouraging. So shout out to everyone on the team and everyone
1: who's helping. And CzB Swift.
2: I just want to give a shout out to CCP Aurora, who uh, it's like too early for her. Because I think it's like uh, five in the morning in Iceland or something. Uh, but yeah, shout out to ZZB Aurora for bringing the AT back. This has been a, a wild journey. And um, like I said, we're super excited. Nice.
1: Uh, Ithaca, you have a shout out?
4: Uh, yeah, I just wanted to shout out to all the EVENTE people, um, who especially Bay Art J, um, uh, General Stargazer, and Discredera, who've put in a huge amount of effort so far to get where we are right now with uh, with EVENTE in the Alliance tournament. I um, also just wanted to quickly plug uh, the fact that Evente is recruiting for casters and analysts for Alliance Tournament 17. Uh, so if you've ever watched the streams and, and saw people on the desk and been like, hey, these guys know nothing, I know more than them, then why not apply? Why not come join us uh, in Iceland and be one of the people on the desk? And then you can be wrong as
1: well. <laughs> nice. Ten, you got anything for the people?
0: Oh, gosh. You know, one of the Several hats that I've been wearing around this AT thing at the moment is um, the <laughs> keeping track of the Plex and money for the network team. And I'm just going to shout out all of our, our very generous members who've been coming up with, you know, they'll tell me they're going to send this much Plex and then send us twice as much and like just really going above and beyond with that, which has been great.
1: All right. Cool, guys. That's the show. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our wonderful guests for hanging out and chatting with AT with us for so long. Uh, Just remember, guys, until next time, it's not the size of your gang. It's how you use it. Boom.